welcome to another episode of Sharing the Hope. I'm your host, Patrick, with the Micah Mason Foundation. Today, we are joined by Michael Montgomery II. Michael Montgomery II is a former NFL player, born on August 18, 1983, living in a low-income area east of Dallas. He attended his last two years of school at Center High in Center, Texas, where he excelled in both football and basketball, earning first-team all-district District Defensive Player of the Year football, and All-State honors in both sports. The most electrifying two-sports athlete represented Center, Texas, on the global stage in the Texas High School Coaches Association All-Star Football Game and Angelina Basketball All-Star Game during his senior year. Following his successful high school career, he went on to play football and basketball at Navarro Junior College, receiving several accolades, including first-team all-conference and all-American in football. Known for his quick contribution to the defense, Montgomery was a force to be reckoned with on the field, and scouts noticed. This won him a full athletic scholarship to play football at Texas A&M, my alma mater, where he earned first-team all-Big 12 defensive lineman honors and was awarded the Aggie Hart Award by Governor Rick Perry. In 2005, All Montgomery's hard work paid off when he was drafted by the NFL's Green Bay Packers, where he played for five years before spending a year each in the UFL and CFL. Despite his successful football career, Montgomery decided to return to Texas A&M to complete his bachelor's degree in agricultural business, and he was recently inducted into the 2022 Navarro College Hall of Fame. Outside of football, Montgomery is an experienced actor, having starred in several films alongside Oscar award-winning Luis Gossett Jr. and Bel Air star Tatiana Ali, as well as making guest appearances on network TV shows on Showtime, Fox, and BET. As a survivor of sudden cardiac arrest from congenital heart disease, known as Wolf-Parkinson's-White syndrome, Montgomery has committed countless hours toward charities and community service, facilitating access to heart screenings for communities across the country. In addition to his nonprofit work, Montgomery is also a proud dog owner uh, from a dog named Optimus. His passion for helping others and promoting heart health is evident in everything he does, and continues to be an inspiration to aspiring youth athletes and individuals today. So welcome to the show, Michael. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Well, you're very, very welcome. So talked a lot about football, and we did talk a little bit about uh, congenital heart defects, but I know I gave kind of a, a brief generalized overview of football. Tell us a little bit about your career as you see it as a football player. As a football player, I, I see it as a late start to a great ending. You know, started football, playing football uh, around junior year of high school. And you really didn't come on as fast as everybody thought. But football became a passion. And football just blessed me so much. I had opportunity to meet with great friends, make great friends, make family for life, relationships, some of, you know, the prominent and most successful people in the world. I see my career as a blessing because they still say it's a 1% chance people are making it to the NFL. So I just see it as a blessing. Very good. So I was at A&M while you were there. Um, I was I was there from 2001 until 2007. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, you saw. Yeah, we had some tough years there during that time. Especially <laughs> when I got there. It was real tough. Yeah. So you, were you there? You were there in the Franchione years? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> that infamous season. 
So when you went through the sudden cardiac arrest, is it after that point where you discovered, they discovered the defect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of discovered that, you know, I had that defect, I had that disease, because afterwards I had to go to Austin to get surgery from uh, Dr. Gallenhouse in Austin, Texas. And that's when he kind of like broke down, you know, what was I was going through, the synopsis of my disease and synopsis of uh, the issues I was having. And he said I had to get surgery so you could have a normal life. What did you notice the difference was pre and post surgery? Pre, I noticed once I get to like athletic competition and I'm like super intense, I noticed my heartbeat breathed excessively fast. And I started having symptoms like dizziness, shortness of breath, just super fatigued. And I feel like my heart was about to bust through my chest. So it was just going through those situations. And it happened two or three times a season during my athletic career. Each season, you know, I would have them, you know, in pinnacle games, first game of the season, first game of practice. And, you know, as a football player, we're taught, especially as an athlete, we're taught to play through pain, be tough, don't say nothing. And we're taught to never say we're hurting. 
So I was under that mindset, that old school mindset that if you're going through something, just go through it and play through it. So in my mind, you know, nothing was wrong with me. I just have to push through it. It's just something I just need to work through. Did you notice a significant performance change after you had your surgeries? Oh, yeah. Performance change after. Yeah, I was free and clear. I guess what happened, you know, because I know once I hit a, a certain level of intensity, like playing throughout the game, I noticed I would start having those heart complications. But after, I just felt like something that was lifted from me, like this stigma. After the game, you know, I was free and clear. I could play hard. I could run hard. You know, if I'm moving one direction to another direction based off my elevation of my body and my heart, I was good and clear. I was so excited after the surgery. And, you know, I went through the strenuous weeks of recovery, doing agility tests, EKG testing, you know, to make sure I was able to compete. And once, you know, the coaches allowed me to get back in the game, allowed me to practice and, and get back in the game, I immediately was just relieved once I went through those steps of recovering to get back to football. After the surgeries, were there was there any sort of monitoring plan put in place? And how did you deal with, the, I guess, the cardiac environment after that point? They monitored me with, because like I said, we had to do testing, EKG testing, stress testing me walking out so i sat out i think three or four weeks of uh, training camps and and a couple games while people was practicing i was working out i was running up and down doing agility drills full pads exercise drills so they was kind of monitoring you know before throwing me out to practice they monitored me based off what can i do agility wise once i come back so they kind of just eased me in. And then when I started practicing and when I started playing the games, it was on a limited practice, limited playing schedule. So, you know, they kind of just spoon fed me to, <laughs> in playing time once I, once I got in. So, you know, they just kind of just made sure I was fully able to go and, and uh, make sure they had full of confidence in me. So, you have this heart condition, you, you don't realize you have it until, you know, you have a sudden cardiac arrest. What was the reaction of your parents, your family, friends, you know, finding out that you had Wolf Parkinson-White syndrome? I was shocked. And then all of a sudden, kind of felt like it was something, you know, it'd be certain games where I would be pushing myself and then I would like get a little tired or, or I would be moving slow. My body language wasn't a hundred percent, and you know I tried to be Mr. Tough Guy and try not to let them think it's it's something bigger than what it was. So you know my parents was very shocked and surprised because none of my family have heart issues or nothing like that. It's just something that's out of the blue, and like I said, you know only people who it really shows are people that's like super athletic, athletically involved in their life or people who just exercise or pregnant women. Cause you know, you got to deal with having a baby, you know, going through life with a baby in your stomach and you're pregnant. So it's, I know it's prone in those aspects. So, mm -hmm. you know, my parents, well, they was 
they were surprised, but just relieved that the medical staff was available once I had my episode. After the episode and, and, um, you know, during your career in the NFL and then, and then now, is it still something you have to go in regularly for monitoring? How does it affect your life now? It really doesn't affect my life at all, really, because it, it was only prone during athletic events, you know, athletic competition, where my heart is going to be engaged in that type of activity. So, you know, right now, you know, I'm living a really healthy life. I still get checked out every now and then just to make sure, you know, just to be healthy and make sure I'm getting checked. But I'm 100% now. Good deal. Good deal. I understand that you've got a new book coming out. I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us about it a little bit and uh, what inspired you to write it. Well, I was always inspired to write. I love creativity. What inspired me was to give inspiration to people who's chasing something in life. And they may be facing medical issues, financial issues, relationship issues. And they feel like their goals are in jeopardy or they can't still pursue them. The inspiration of this book is set an example and also just give enthusiasm that you can go out there and do it. You know, if I could do it, anybody could do it. Regardless if you're going through a medical issue, you're in the hospital, facing financial situations or relationship situations. You can still overcome them and still pursue your goals and accomplish them. What's the name of the book? The name of the book is A Heartbeat Away from Destiny. Uh, right now, my website is michaelmontgomery.org. Uh, you can type in your information, your name, and your email. And once I get it, once it's ready to be published, I will. I have your information. I can send it. I can send it out to you. So just be on the lookout and thanks for your support. Cause you know, this story is, and it's also revolves around heart health because you know, I'm, I go through my life and incidents that occurred when I had heart issues and just blatantly ignored them because I was trying to be tough and trying to not say anything and trying to play. So just going through a life of, unknowingly and also address the parents because you know parents it's just go and get your kids heart screened just knocking off one thing that's taking away a peace of mind because you know as parents we're, we're we're looking for our children as you know we're making sure they're safe they're healthy and they're well educated and having their heart screened is just taking off one notch that we don't have to worry about. So, uh, and I stress that point in my book as well. So, good deal. Is there anything you would have to say, any advice you would give to maybe parents who have a child who was just diagnosed with a heart condition, or maybe a person who finds out in their later years that they've suddenly got a diagnosis? Put your trust in God, pray about it, also seek out support because when you're going through something, you know, try to seek out support from your family, your loved ones. Because it's always better when you have somebody with you to go through that situation with you. And take the doctor, 
and have him work with you on that situation. Because there's alternative ways where you can still live a prosperous life based off what you have. And the road to recovery is not only, you know, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually to get to where you want to go. And it doesn't mean your life is over if you have something. You can still accomplish your goals based off what you've been diagnosed. It's a change in your perception, you know, based off when you get it and what you still want to do when you have it is the point that's very relevant to what I think is important. All right. So where are you at these days, Michael? I'm in uh, Houston, Texas. Okay. You're in Houston. All right. What, uh, what side of Houston? Houston's huge. I'm in, I'm in uh, oh, yeah, you're, <laughs> so, okay. You know, you know, I, I'm in Paraland. Okay. Yeah. Paraland, okay. Texas. So it's a little like 20 minutes further out from Houston, but yeah, I've been living here for about a year and some change. Okay. In my little neighborhood. So if I, if I was to find myself in that area of Houston, what's the best recommendation you got for food? Like what's the, what's the restaurant I'd have to go to? <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of the hard, that's probably the hardest questions <laughs> of this interview today. Uh, we got Turkey Leg Hut. We got, if you like seafood, there's a place called Bayou Seafood Pasta. I love their pasta. And they, and they got these crab fingers. Get them sauteed. It's delicious. Then I love, uh, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> they got Graces. Oh, Graces. That's number one. Graces. Then they got Mo Better Brew. That's delicious. It's it's a vegan style, but, and I'm not even a vegan, but the way they cook it is delicious. Hmm. Uh, let me just give you those because I can keep going on and on with the <laughs> list of food because I was like, man, that's the hardest question of the, of the evening but, uh, of this interview. But yeah, Houston has a lot of great food. What part of Dallas you in? Uh, on the east side in Rockwall. Rockwall. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I got a, my nephew lives in uh, Flowermont. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. yeah off on the north side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Aggie. Oh, Aggie. Man. I went to the A&M game last weekend. They beat the brakes off of New Mexico. Yeah, that was fun to watch. <laughs> it was yeah, yeah, it was fun to watch. That number, they got their receiver number three. He scored. He caught like three passes for three touchdowns. Yeah, and I found out. I looked up. He's six six. Oh, really? Yeah. That's... So he's a he's a big target. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a tall dude. Yeah, I was. It was interesting watching the game. You know, watching the targets that uh, Wegman was hitting, and uh, I was like, man, they haven't hit. Um, Muhammad yet and then immediately after I said that he throws it and Muhammad catches it for a touchdown <laughs> yeah yeah you know what I saw a lot, a lot I was excited for him they was gunning you know they was he was giving those one on one matches a chance it was exciting to see because you know a lot from last year it was a totally dramatic change from that quarterback on how he's reading and how he's trusting his receivers to go get the football. Yeah, fun to watch. I'm hoping for a fun year. No, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping too. That defense looks stout. I mean, they play New Mexico. I don't want to get too excited, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too excited because they play it's New Mexico. It's not, yeah. 
Alabama nothing. But we'll we'll see once you know we start getting deeper in that schedule how they measure up. They just got to play hard, play together, and win their individual battles. Yep, you kind of sound like Jimbo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's every coach. Every coach best say that is just winning individual battles. That's how you. Uh, that's how you. Get, that's how you win a game. That's how football is. It's a bunch of one-on-one matchups being won, and the, whoever wins the most individual get battles collectively wins the game. That's one thing I love about football. It doesn't care about the color, race, creed, politics. If you're good, you're gonna win. <laughs> Yeah, so that's one thing I love about football. It's just you against him. And it makes it real simple. Well, I got to say, you were fun to watch when you were in the game. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun year, man. You know, we had so much potential, man. We should have got, we should have got further. We should have did more better if we was like, it was better scheming or stuff like that. But it should have, should have been better because we should have we had a lot of talent. If we had the if we would have had the offense we had the A and M has now, like the scheme, we would have man, Reggie McNeil would have been a Heisman hopeful. T Murph would have been a hopeful. Uh Jay Carter would have been a hopeful. Yeah, yeah, Carter. Yeah, he was a baller. Like if we would have yeah. had this this type of offense, the way they're running the way they're passing the ball 50 times a game, we would have been top five, top 10 in offense every year with the receivers we had and the talent we had. We had a lot of talent out there. Yeah, I remember. Well, I could probably talk football with you for <laughs> the whole evening, <laughs> but we probably should wrap it up. I do want to say thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it, and it was a great joy talking to you. Man, the pleasure is all mine. I definitely appreciate it, brother. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Hope from the Micah Mason Foundation with our conversation with Michael Montgomery II. You can find his website at michaelmontgomery.org, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-M-O-N-T-G-O-M-E-R-Y.org. Please look for his new book, A Heartbeat Away from Destiny coming out soon. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head to micamasonfoundation.org and click the donate button. Thank you.